You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 739 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, it is Sunday evening into Monday morning, and we'll start a new week together as we end March together. That's sort of the theme of this podcast, I guess, at the top here, is that March is the longest month in recorded history with the way that things have gone, uh, mostly the non-basketball world, but uh, just kind of a crazy one, and obviously it's not going to be letting off anytime soon necessarily in terms of the real-world implications of the coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera, and they, of course, do have implications on the NBA world, but uh, to end the month of March, I figured I'd come back with a mailbag podcast, just me this time around. For the most part, these days, I will have a guest on uh, on the show. It's just easier right now to talk about different things that uh, go in, I would say, more deep dive fashion between the NBA drafts and some, uh, of course, the player review series I'm doing with Ben Ladner, which, by the way, there's a new episode over the weekend that dropped. If you liked that podcast, hope you guys enjoyed that one. The first two of a five-part series are up, but uh, plenty of draft coverage. We had Spencer Perman on the show last week, and uh, Spencer was very, very smart. If you want to go listen to that and read his stuff as well. We'll continue to have all kinds of guests to talk about the draft, especially because it's the one thing that we know kind of mostly of what's going to, going to happen there. Other than the timeline of the draft itself, we'll have plenty of draft coverage. So um, today's show is going to be a mailbag pod, but actually no draft questions. Um, I got a lot of those, and I'm definitely saving them up, so don't worry if you ask me a question. I've been hoarding it, and I will certainly use it in the future. But uh, we'll stay with the draft this time around because we, we I do have a bunch of draft guests lined up, and we'll spend most of our time talking with about the draft, at least for right now, in more hypothetical and uh, big board kind of style ways with guests. So before we get to uh, all of that, thank you for listening to the show. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please go back, listen to the recent shows. And uh, here we go with some mailbag questions to get us through this uh, Monday to end the month of March. So the first question is, if you had to pick one free agent from the team from for the Hawks to re-sign at something like market value, who would it be? So basically the Hawks have all their core, all their core pieces coming back. Um, no huge decisions on the free agent market, but there are five guys hitting the market um, that were on the team to end last season, or at least as of this moment. If the season continues, then I'll be wrong about that. But um, to end the current season that we're in, uh, Jeff Teague will be a free agent. DeAndre Bembry will be a free agent. Travion Graham, Scalabissier, and Damian Jones. Um, so the question, of course, is just uh, I guess if I had to pick one free agent to bring back to the Hawks at, quote, something like market value, end quote. So basically what that, I'm taking that to mean it's something like an appropriate salary, not like a massive bargain. Um, that's important here. And that's that's honestly probably the most the most important part of the question is because, um, you know, you have to figure out what that, what that actually means. I do think that Jeff Teague is the best player of that fivesome still, but his market value is also probably going to be the highest. I think he will probably sign for the most money of those five guys. And of course, in Atlanta, he's not an ideal fit necessarily because of his size, um, relatively small, and uh, his defensive foibles playing behind Trey Young. He's a very nice player to have as a pure backup point guard, but um, doesn't play doesn't necessarily play, I would say project to play a lot with Trey Young at least in an effective manner next season. Um, I pretty much cross off DeAndre Bembry and Damian Jones. We talked about Damian a lot on the podcast with Ben Ladner last week. Uh, Bembry we'll get to a little bit later, but uh, obviously not someone who is a great fit. Of course, he has the uh, the injury stuff. 
And I think he'll probably be a minimum contract guy if he does sign somewhere. Um, it probably won't be in Atlanta, I would guess. Um, Scal Labissier is definitely an unknown. He'd be in the argument, I would say, because of the market value part of the question. I do think that he might get some nibbles in the offseason in terms of uh, availability, and the Hawks could certainly bring him back. But if he's available for the minimum, that would be interesting because he is a, a pretty talented guy in a lot of aspects, and he can shoot it, which makes him a pretty interesting bet. I would probably go with Travion Graham, though, to answer the question more specifically. I've always liked Graham. I think his market value is pretty low, which is good in this scenario, honestly, because the Hawks could use some depth on the wing. He can really defend. That's obviously his calling card. I think he played well at the end of the season um, before the uh, hiatus started. He probably can't shoot. There's not a whole lot of evidence to say that he can shoot, although he did make a couple of uh, threes and shot the ball actually percentage-wise okay for the Hawks on a very small sample size. Um, if you somehow knew that he'd be a reliable shooter, he'd be a pretty valuable piece because he can play defense, he plays hard, he runs the floor, etc., etc. Um, I think if you're paying him the minimum, I would certainly be okay with that. I don't think you have to do that necessarily if you're the Hawks, but if he's available for that and you can kind of uh, pencil him into to a role that's not a rotation role, like if he's just like your fifth forward, something like that, someone who might, all, might, might not always play but brings that toughness, brings that um, ability to come off the bench cold and play some defense if you needed it, that's a pretty good value, I think. And if you can get it for the minimum, he would be my answer to this question. I do think that Teague is probably the wild card here uh, because of the market things that I said before. If you knew you, that you could get Teague for very, very cheap, you could probably do that. I think he's still a pretty good backup point guard to have, honestly. Just the fit isn't perfect in Atlanta. I do think that uh, it's important to remember with Teague that he's probably just a 15-minute 15 15 minute a game player in Atlanta because of the fact that Troy Young's going to be playing you know, 35 minutes a night. And ideally, if you're trying to win, which they are going to be trying to do next year, um, Teague and Young are not the greatest pairing playing together. So if you just pencil in Teague for that only, you know, 12 to 15 minutes a night, the value of that player is not immense. It would certainly be an upgrade on what they had this year for most of the season, but Teague is probably going to be looking for a little bit bigger role than that you would imagine on the market and if he gets uh, more more lucrative offers he probably walk so in the end uh, my answer would be Travion Graham as the guy that I would get if I'm projecting the market as to, as, as to how I see it because I think you could probably get him for close to the minimum if not the minimum and if, if the Hawks and Graham are, are both amenable to that I can see that actually making some sense for both sides um next question and uh, here it is um I read your piece about the Hawks shooting problems and I know it's something you've said before, but isn't it not as big of a deal because most of the people, sorry, most of the problem was the players who won't be back on the team. Um, first of all, I wrote a piece on Peachtree Hoops this last week that I'm not sure I mentioned on the podcast, but uh, it's basically it was titled basically that the Hawks have a shooting problem, and I uh, sort of go through a lot of different scenarios and how bad the shooting was this year from three point range, et cetera, et cetera. But I did make sure to note in that piece that there was a sharp difference between the shooting of uh, the core pieces and the non core pieces, uh, particularly the foursome of Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, and DeAndre Hunter. All of those guys shot league average or better from three. Um, and that's kind of all you can ask for for most of those guys. Um, other than, you know, of course, Young was Young was better than that considering the volume. Herder was a high-end guy. Collins made a lot of shots, et cetera, et cetera. The other guy that I want to include here in the category of guys that I would not be worried about is Cam Reddish. I think his season-long numbers were not great. I think 30, 32% or so. But uh, after the very, very, very slow start, the numbers sort of stabilized there. I don't really worry about Cam as a shooter necessarily. Uh, I think there's definitely some question about how good of a shooter Reddish and Hunter both are, but they both are not considered non-shooters. Those guys are at least threats from the perimeter. I think they'll probably stabilize somewhere in the mid to high 30s as shooters, and that's kind of all you need to be necessarily for those guys. Um, with all that said, I stand by the assertion full-time uh, that the Hawks don't have enough shooting. 
Now, something I said before the season as well, that ended up being true. Uh, I'm not going to give that whole piece away, but the Hawks finished the season basically as the worst three-point shooting team in the entire league. And considering the volume and effectiveness of guys like Young and Herter, that's pretty uh, damning of everybody else, frankly. Um, I do I do think that it's fair to say that the guys who actually matter are not huge concerns, to answer the question here, with the shooting. But um, even in the piece, I acknowledge that you know five of the six core pieces, the six being Capella, are guys who can shoot. And Capella not being able to shoot is not a problem at all because he's, he's so good at everything else. But uh, they, still have, they still have to find shooting. That's the thing. I, I understand that the guys who are coming back and who matter are not problem shooting, but as we saw this season, finding shooting is not, is not necessarily a no-brainer. And, and with the way the Hawks have, have sort of geared their offense around Trey Young finding kickout passes to guys, they need floor space and they need shooters and that's very, very important. They have to they have to find that. I, basically, it crippled the offense. If you look at all the stats in there, um, the offense was just bogged down considerably by all of these missed open looks. The Hawks were actually very good at generating open threes, and because they had a great shot profile, they should have been able to score much more effectively, but they just missed a ton of shots, and that's because they didn't have enough shooters on the roster. So, um, in the end, it was not me criticizing the core pieces at all. In fact, it's about the glaring need to add real shooters in the offseason when it comes to free agency trades or even the draft. Uh, it would be definitely helpful if Reddish and Hunter both in, both improved their shooting. Um, I'm not sure we know what their true baselines, yet, true baselines are just yet, as I said before, but those guys are not necessarily going to be a problem shooting. It would be very helpful if both those guys took a step forward. Also, Dwayne Dedman is the other is the other kind of swing piece here of the guys who are still under contract for next season because Dedman being at least somewhat of a threat would be helpful. He has the two years of experience knocking down shots in Atlanta the first time around, as we talked about with Ben Ladner two shows ago, um, but, you know, Deadman's the other guy, the other guy that might be back, although at least it should be back, that probably can shoot, but just hasn't been able to make shots, but regardless, I think they're going to have to acquire some guys who they flat out know are good shooters, and probably those guys come in terms of maybe, maybe back a point guard, but also, more importantly, uh, a wing or a power forward and or both. Like, obviously, there's a reason why Joe Harris has been bandied about a ton He's the most natural fit as a pure role player, but a guy who's an absolute knockdown shooter, et cetera, et cetera. So um, in the end, the Hawks just need more shooting on the roster. That's not an indictment of the guys they already have. It's more of an indictment of the guys who who you, you would presume will be out the door in terms of their fringe pieces, their supporting pieces, and you have to replace those guys with guys who can actually shoot and help the offense in a considerable way this year. So hopefully that clarified all of that. Uh, before we get to the rest of the podcast, I want to talk to you about the good folks at Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a full meal and a 12-pack, sometimes you just need to get what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. Postmates is not just deliver burgers and sushi, though. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery to convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. And that feels particularly important to mention right about now with the way that, they, that our climate is um, with the coronavirus. So no more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. Just rely on Postmates. Download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get virtually anything you need delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, just Postmate it. All right, we're back to answer a couple more questions here on the podcast. Um, 
the next one, um, and by the way, I actually made a, a pretty egregious error. Wr- wrote down the questions and then forgot to log who they were from, so my apologies on that. You, hopefully you, you will uh, definitely recognize your questions, but there's a reason why I'm not including the names because I don't have them. That's my fault, but alas, here we are. Um, next question. Um, this one comes um, from someone. <laughs> um, you and Ben, I, I suppose that means Ben Ladner, are doing a good job in player review, so thanks for that. I had a question about why the Hawks just wouldn't give John Collins a max contract this summer. I think you mentioned about something about the salary cap, but is there something I'm missing about why it would benefit the Hawks not to pay John this summer? Um, we talked about this a little bit with Ben. I don't want to get too deep into it, but here we go, just as a short um, financial-only answer when it comes to the Hawks. Collins... If you use the current projections and all the way the CBA currently works, he has a $12.4 million salary cap hold on his, on the books after next season. So if we presume they did not extend him this summer, um, when he'll hit free agency, he'll have a, a cap hold of $12.4 million. So basically what that means is um, until he signs somewhere else or resigns with the Hawks, the Hawks will be charged $12.4 million on their salary cap, meaning that um, if they want to pay him a lot more than that, it would benefit him. It would benefit the Hawks to keep him on that number as long as possible. Then, because they, they, have, they will have his bird rights, they can fill in above that number, use that extra space, quote-unquote extra space in, the, in those few days probably, and then they can go ahead and re-sign Collins above that number so that they actually uh, can sort of maximize their flexibility. So if you were to give Collins a max extension or something like that, it, it could start around $30 million. Now, it's obviously worth pointing out that the cap could change based on this craziness with, with the coronavirus. It could go down. But the last estimate was around $125 million for the 2021 season. After, right, sorry, after that season. So the summer of 21, that could be the um, the salary cap number that you're looking at somewhere in the mid-120s. So if you assume that, you know, something Colin signs for somewhere near the max or something a little bit less than that, that number, regardless of what it actually ends up being, is going to be a lot more than $12.4 million. So in short, if the Hawks were to sign him a year early, that number, the the advantage of having the cap, the cap number be lower of, of $12.4 million would go away. Because if they, if they get the extension now, then he'll count on the cap in the summer of 21 for that full number. So say it's $25 million, say it's $27 million, that it'll be that number instead of $12.4 million. So because they might spend some of the cap this summer, um, they couldn't, that could not matter quite a bit, quite as much. But if they wanted to prioritize 2021 cap space, the Hawks could have like $70 million in room that summer. Now, that's two summers from now. I understand that. But um, this summer, summer of 2020, um, there really is no top-tier free agent. The only guy who is really that, that kind of top-tier player that's going to be hitting the market is Anthony Davis, and he's probably not going to come to Atlanta. He's probably just going to stay in L.A. Um, whereas in 2021, the class is a lot better, projected to be a lot better. You have a lot more star power, and I'm not telling you the Hawks are definitely going to do this, but if they wanted to prioritize that summer with a with a free agent class being start studded, um, they would be they would have heavy incentive to not pay Collins this summer because if they didn't do that, um, you know they, they had they had that they had, they had that low cap hold for John Collins, and if they didn't spend a ton of money this summer, they could still have a ton of money to spend in 21. Now on the flip side. There is a theoretical potential that Collins could be upset without without extension. I understand that. There's been already been some uh, comments from John. Obviously, they think they're going to be looking for a lot of money him and his agency, and they should because he played very very well this season. And if you're if you're Collins, by the way, um, you probably don't want to take a discount right now because he played so well this season. But on the team side, I think 
there is very is, there's a very good argument to not pay him this summer. That's actually where I stand for the most part on most extensions. I think if the Hawks were already over the cap, it would matter a lot less. But because of the dynamics that the Hawks actually have here, we're having that relatively small cap hold. And by the way, if Collins was a top five pick, this probably wouldn't matter because he'd have he'd have a he'd have a cap hold in the twenty million dollar range or more. But because he was drafted so low, the cap num- the cap hold that would be associated with him is only that twelve point four million dollars, about three times of his th- three times his salary. So. Basically, Collins gets hurt a little bit here by being a lower draft pick. If he had been a higher pick, it would be a little bit more of a no-brainer for Atlanta and there'd be less risk. But considering the fact that the Hawks would be taking the risk a year early to give him a bunch of money because also, you know, if you get an injury, something weird happens, you're paying him a year early when you don't have to. The worst case scenario for the Hawks here still ends up with Atlanta being able to match any offer for John Collins, which is not a bad scenario. I think, you know, if you are the biggest John Collins fan in the world and you think that he's an unquestioned max contract guy, um, the worst case scenario for the Hawks is still maybe he signs a three plus one with a player option and you're only having only have him only have him on board for three more years. But that isn't that bad of an option, honestly, if you're the Hawks. So instead of taking on the risk a year early and losing the cap, the, the cap flexibility, um, you, you might want to stay and wait. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but the Hawks do have real reasons not to pay Collins that are not necessarily basketball related. There's, of course, basketball re- related stuff as well that they might be considering. But even if you just assume that he was a max player, which is not an assumption that I think everybody will make, but even if you, even if you, if you, if you just assume that, the Hawks still have some reason to not pay him a year early because of the risk and the salary cap space. So hopefully that explains that a little bit. We'll talk about that more more later when it actually hit the offseason officially and he can actually hit that market and be talking about an extension. Um, obviously, he won't be officially on the market in terms of, uh, of other teams until next summer. But this summer, as soon as free agency opens, you know, a few days later, they can start talking about extensions. I'm not sure they're, I'm not, I'm not sure they're going to find an agreement, but there'll be uh, reasons on both sides not to take one right now. Okay. Uh, that'll, that'll do for basketball stuff. I do have one more question that a few other people ask, so I'm, I'm not going to attribute this to anyone necessarily, but a few of you have asked what my life is like right now without sports happening. Um, I kind of famously tweet about very little except sports, for instance. I do have a day job. Uh, that's the first thing on the agenda here as I don't, I don't normally do a ton of personal stuff, but here we are on the pod. Um, Day job wise, I work for a nonprofit. I'm actually busier than normal right now. I'm working at home, which is nice in this uh, in this time. I know not everybody gets to do that, and I'm uh, appreciative of being able to work at home. But I'm actually probably busier than normal right now, which is kind of crazy. But it absolutely is the case. As uh, the organization I work for is just trying to help people and trying to be as available as possible and get through these changes like everybody else is. But uh, there you go on that. So I'm still busy. You know, normal hours. You know, eight to five or whatever it is during the day, plus whatever else happens. Um, beyond that. I'm still doing my normal work for Uprock Sports and Dime, um, where I do my national NBA coverage, as well as some college basketball stuff and football stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I actually work for them three nights a week. So that that takes up more, a lot of more of my time. I'm also keeping up Peace Street Hoops. We're, we've been publishing content. Basically, took like three days off after the crazy hiatus began, and now we're in full NBA draft mode. We're also doing a ton of, uh, you know, player review series kind of stuff up there. So I'm the editor at Peachtree Hoops. That takes some time as well. Even without games going on, we're still trying to get content up and talking about ideas for the future. And then, of course, I'm doing this podcast still. Not as much, probably, as I was before during uh, games. Not doing one after every game, et cetera, et cetera. But some longer form stuff with the draft. Diving on that, trying to get guests, et cetera. And then I'm also hosting the Talking Chop podcast. So, all that said, I'm still working a lot. Um, I would say... Not quite as much as if there were sports happening, but if you factor in the day job stuff as well, it's not that far off. With that said, I'm a little bit 
less busy some nights after seven o'clock where I would have been covering basketball. So during those nights, I'm walking, I'm watching a lot more TV, watching a lot more movies. I'm reading a lot about coronavirus, which is probably good for um, being informed, also bad for, for my mental state. Uh, you know, it's obviously a tough time right now, and I'm probably overreading in some ways, but catching up on a lot of TV, a lot of movies, um, trying to watch some more NBA draft film, which is the good thing about this. If you want to try to find one for my actual, um, the stuff that everybody's listening to this podcast would actually care about, I'm trying to, uh, I think I have the opportunity, I would say, to watch more NBA draft film than I probably ever have. Uh, I, I I definitely pride myself on watching a lot of stuff. I'm not necessarily at the level of Spencer Perlman or Sam Bassini or the guys that I've had on my podcast in the past, but I do like to be informed on the draft. I write about the draft quite a bit, and this year I'll be able to watch everybody even more because of this uh, free time. So all that said, I uh, am still missing sports. I like sports, I think, more than anybody that I know, frankly, and I think I'm more invested in it. Just all the stuff that I've uh, you know got going, I actually lost well, not not form, not formally lost, but basically working zero hours at a couple of different sports outlets that I usually get some uh, some income from as a writer because there's not anything for me to cover. Those outlets I'm actually more covering games and stuff like that. So without games, I don't really have much income com- com- coming in on those. I- I'm still fine, but it's one of those things where uh, stuff is affected. This podcast is affected um, clearly, as you guys know. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying the uh, the NBA draft stuff, and we'll probably do more draft content than just about any like team specific show, um, just because of the fact that you know we're starting early because there's not really much else to talk about. When there are new updates, we'll talk about them. For instance, today there was a new CDC guideline uh, extending out to April 30th. I'm assuming the NBA is going to take a while to come back, which is why I'm not talking about that every single day. I'm sure everybody's been seeing the same stuff that I have been about all the ideas that the NBA wants to potentially implement, um, trying to keep people in one place, et cetera, et cetera. I'm at the mercy of everybody else, obviously. Um, I probably hear things that not everybody would hear, but at the same time, uh, nothing firm at this point. So I'm not going to tell you when, when basketball is going to be happening again. But in the meantime, we'll still be here talking about the NBA draft mostly, but also some Hawk stuff. I have some Hawk-specific guests lined up and a ton of NBA draft guests. If, you, if you're a new listener of the show, you may not know this, but the last two or three years for the draft, I've basically spent from mid-April all the way to the draft. I would say 90% of the show becomes about the draft um, with all kinds of guests coming in to uh, help me out with that so hopefully you guys will enjoy that we'll dive deep into it and we'll see when the when the draft actually is um it is scheduled of course for late june we'll see if that actually happens i would probably bet against that happening at this point in time but anyway we're here hopefully that answers the question about what i've been doing without sports happening I'm still watching sports, uh, albeit less, but I'm definitely catching up on movies and TV shows that I never had time to watch, which is very, very nice, and also just get to a little bit more relaxed, a little, probably a little bit more sleep um, per capita, because I don't have to stay up necessarily to record this podcast after games or re-watch Hawks games, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, until one in the morning on weeknights. So there you go on that. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that little uh, sort of non sequitur on the podcast. Everybody enjoyed the mailbag version of the show. We'll probably do one of these every couple of weeks as the questions keep rolling in to sort of intersperse between the guests on the show. I'm planning for, I think, two more episodes this week. We'll see. Maybe even three more episodes. We'll see how that goes in terms of uh, when I can get guests locked in on the podcast. But thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the show. The numbers have actually been pretty decent, so I appreciate everybody still listening to the podcast despite the fact that the Hawks are not playing basketball right now. I will try to reward you with as much content as possible please subscribe to the pod if you have a few minutes during this downtime leave a five-star review on whichever podcast platform that you like listening to the show on i really appreciate that and uh, without further delay i'll sign off now but thank you for listening as always everybody and we'll see you guys next time